Okay, everybody, thanks for joining me for another Her Wild Outdoors episode. Today, we have the pleasure of having a gentleman on this podcast who is going to talk to us about a whole bunch of things, including CBD and his history in the Navy SEALs. So, William Branham, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Of course. Well, give us just a little bit of a background on you. You've got a couple of different things in your background that uh, uh-huh. you and I have talked about in the past, but just give us kind of an overview of, of who you are and, and why you're here. Let's see. I grew up in Meridian, Mississippi. Uh, southern I, man. I currently live in Hawaii. <laughs> I, I, right? I'm a, I'm a southern man, although my draw is not it quite is there anymore. No. Although when I go back home and I'm, I'm around, you know, old friends, it certainly starts to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least some of the slang comes back for sure. But uh, let's see. I joined the Navy when I was 18 years old. I was heavily involved in Boy Scouts. I always wanted to be part of some sort of... Um, small elite uh, military unit. And then someone told me about the U.S. Navy SEALs. And I was like, they said, that's the hardest organization in the world. You know, they work in small units. They Mm -hmm. jump out of airplanes. They shoot guns. They blow stuff up. uh, And they scuba dive. And I thought, well, that's what I want to do the hardest thing out there. So that's that's the route I went. Although I did not want to join the Navy. Hmm. Um, You know, the Navy had really the ugliest, especially at the time. There's a naval naval air station in my town, uh-huh. and I saw all these young <laughs> sailors that were, you know, acted like idiots out on town. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't want to join the Navy. They had the ugliest uniforms, the ugliest hats. I mean, the Marine Corps, they had a pretty badass uniform. Yeah, they did, yeah. Uh, the, the, they still do. They, mm-hmm. they still win. Um, they, you know, the the... The recruiting videos or commercials as I was growing up, they were like fighting dragons with short swords and shields. And I thought they were, you know, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had this aspiration to be a sniper one day and uh, there was, there was the Marine Corps recon snipers. So that like, maybe I'll be a, be a Marine, but I didn't really want to be a Marine. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just trying to figure it out. And one day the Navy recruiter called me and he said, hey, have you ever thought about joining the Navy? And I was like, well, if you called me six weeks ago, probably not. But today I want to be a Navy SEAL and I want to fly F-14 Tomcats, you know, from the movie Top Gun once upon a time. Yeah. And so uh, that's why I joined the Navy. I joined the Navy. I eventually became a SEAL, you know, went to SEAL training, got lots of lessons learned there mm-hmm. and uh, spent 26 years uh serving this nation um i grew up hunting i grew up in the boy scouts so that's one of the reasons that we're talking you know this is kind of a a hunting outdoors podcast it is and uh um you know throughout my my time in the navy i've got some baggage uh also from some you know not awesome relationships some maybe toxic relationships i've got some baggage from that as well and uh, I had to figure my had to figure my stuff out when I when I got out of the military because I was pretty much just kind of drinking myself to sleep at night yeah. to turn off that noise in my head. I eventually found CBD. It uh, was a life changing um, modality for me. It helped t- kind of turn down the noise in my head. Yeah, and um, helped me get my own positive self talk back under my under my feet. And like, because it had such a a profound 
effect on me. I decided to start my own company, Naked Warrior Recovery, and uh, it was a CBD company. And I also do some some mindset coaching, and I, I teach about the, the get naked mindset. And we'll talk about that in a minute, maybe. We will. We definitely will. I think that most people who have listened to the podcast know that just because it's an outdoor podcast, just because it's women focused, it doesn't mean that you don't have a part in that because of what you do and where you come from. And a lot of what we have talked about over almost every single episode, mental health has come up once at least. And we have talked about everything from day-to-day mental health and the checks that you have on yourself all the way to suicide. And I think that when you when you talk to anybody, whether they've been in the military, we're a military family. My grandfather was in the Navy. He was a, a fighter pilot. Uh, then you've got my brother who's in the Army. Like we are a military family. And I know some of the baggage that comes from that. I know what they've carried home with them from my uncle in Vietnam to uh, – to my grandfather, both of my grandfathers in the Korean War. My uncle was a uh, a POW in World War II, like there in Germany. Like I've got journals of his from when he was in a camp in Germany and just walking through the mindset that they've had. Each one is different, right? Each person is different in how you respond to things or how you decide to be proactive or you draw away. And I think that in my personal experience as a bystander and as somebody who can see these things happening, each person has kind of gone through these, uh, I don't know, it's almost like grief, stages of grief, right? It's kind of like going from something happening to you have to experience anger, you have to experience sadness, you have to, and it's sometimes so overwhelming that you don't know how to deal with that. And I think that can happen to anybody, whether you're in the military or you are a stay-at-home mom. I think that everybody deals with those kind of things differently. And so I'm glad to have heard that you found something that has worked for you, but also you have seen it work for other people. Now, you and I I also have talked very briefly, very, very briefly about a hunting incident that you had when you were younger. Uh, (laughs) And I want to hear more details about it. Uh, So please (laughs) fill us in on this turkey hunting exposition. Okay, before I do that, I want to just circle back. You mentioned suicide Mm -hmm. and um, and, and, and mental health. And and really, you know, I have, uh, you know, our my sort of tagline, my slogan, my moniker is get naked. Mm-hmm. And I wear a shirt all the time or a hat and people it. are like, what is that? Mm-hmm. You know, they're all, they're always thinking, um, you know, it's like physically naked. Well, there's yes. that too, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I tell people that it's about mental health, they're like, Oh, what now mm-hmm. I've really gotten their attention. But our mission here at, at naked warrior recovery is, um, in the, in the military. And I can't even, I only know these statistics. I don't know statistics for first responders or just like regular people, mm-hmm. but we've lost more people to suicide than we have in 20 years of sustained combat. You know, uh, currently the veteran affairs, uh, has estimated that 22 veterans take their lives every single day. Mm-hmm. And my dad was one of those two, 22. 
So I'm so sorry. And I didn't even realize it at the time when I was sort of working out this mission of, of 22 a day. And, and really our mission is, you know, you know, 22 to zero. Mm-hmm. because 22 is too many, 21 is too many, one is one. too many. Mm-hmm. So that's our, that's really our mission. And, you know, it's not just for veterans or first responders. It's for everyone. Like we mm-hmm. need to stop this epidemic of, of, of suicide and really focus on mental health and mental health is something people don't want to talk about. It's not sexy. And oftentimes it's, it's reactive. So if we can get in front of that and really, I want to, teach more people to get naked mindset. And again, we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to like, before I forgot yeah. to, to kind of mention that I, uh, you know, then now we'll talk about a uh, little Turkey hunting experience. I appreciate that. So when I was uh, 15 years old, we'll put a little humor in here. If you have kids, maybe you should turn down the, you know, maybe <laughs> fast forward this part. Uh, cause they, there may be a swear word or two in here okay. and you'll understand why in just a second. Um, so I was 15 years old. I was uh, went turkey hunting with my great uncle. This was a Tuesday, and uh, my grandfather picked me up from the bus stop. I don't know why he didn't go hunting with us, but he didn't. So he dropped me off with uh, his brother, my great uncle, and his son, who was you know old enough to have kids my age. And my Papa told me about, see, I'm Southern Papa. Oh yeah. Um, he told me about, he was like, you know, maybe you guys work together and one person will call and the other person will shoot or something like that. And I'm thinking, I have this thought in my, in my head. And so the Saturday before, I guess I fell asleep while sitting in the woods hunting and I lost one of my Turkey calls and where we were hunting, uh, you go down this little logging road and and it splits and there's a big hollow between. And so Uncle Grover and his son went down one side and I went down the other to find my turkey call. And I said, I'll come back around and meet them, you know, somewhere on the other side when I find my, my call. And so I went over, I found it. And then I came back around and it's, we were about a, about a mile down into the woods from the car. And, and I found a place where I thought was a a good spot to set up. There's a field over, you know, kind of to my right, another field off to my left. And there Mm -hmm. was a logging road in front. It was like really torn up where, uh, turkeys had really, there had been a lot of action there. So I just decided to sit by a, by a big pine tree. I was wearing a, a camouflage jacket, a hat a, and some blue jeans and the best kind and of, I see, <laughs> that's right. Exactly. You don't need all the fancy stuff. <laughs> redneck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and actually the shirt that I was wearing, I remember they, because they had to cut it off of me, but, uh, it was one of those that had like, it would glow in the dark at night. It had like neon <laughs> paint on it. So if you like charged it and so yes. I was very sad to see that shirt go, but uh, <laughs> so I go and I sit down and I'm sitting next to a tree and I see, and I do some calls and I see my great uncle, uncle Grover walk up. And what I didn't know is he had cataracts and he was wearing a face net and I saw him and I'm still thinking about that sort of game plan that my, that Papa told me about on the way in and uh of like one person sit one person calls the other person shoots and i was pretty good at calling in turkey and so i did a little turkey call he looked directly at me i thought he <sighs> saw me because i'm not really that well camouflaged mm-hmm. uh, maybe i had like a camouflage net across my legs and so he comes down and he sits about 15 yards away from me maybe a little bit less and so i'm thinking we're on the same plan we're on the same wavelength mm-hmm. And I'm trying to be a really good hunter. I want to be still. 
I want to be quiet. I want to do good calls. And, um, but it's, you know, spring and there's a lot of gnats in Mississippi. So I'm like trying to be very slow about, you know, kind of waving the gnats and the mosquitoes out of my face. And he sees this motion of my hand by kind of moving really slowly in front of, in front of my face. And I do a few more calls and I kind of look over at him. He's, there's a little mulberry bush in between he and I, and, uh, and then I happen to be looking to the right. Thank the Lord I was looking to the right. But uh, I'm looking to the right, and then I hear, boom! No. And, uh, and I, I kind of felt the, the percussion of the gunshot. And I was really angry because I thought he, saw, he shot a turkey, and I didn't even see it. Like, I didn't hear it. I didn't see it. I didn't anything. And so I think he shoots a turkey over my left sh- shoulder. Mm -hmm. I kind of off to the left, maybe in the field, maybe a little behind me. And I turn and I look and it's just a thicket. Like you can't see three feet into the woods. It's just super thick. And I'm like, he, I I can't, like, I'm still a little angry that he shot a turkey and I didn't even see it. Yeah. But uh, so, and then I start to feel super hot and like my face starts to like swell up and I feel taste that metallic taste in my mouth. And I was like, wait a minute. I think he shot me. Oh my god. But I'm thinking like maybe it was just like, you know, maybe some still maybe I bit my tongue or something. I don't really know. And then, you know, I'm like doing a self-assessment and more things are like not quite right. And then I decide, well, maybe he did shoot me. And so if I spit blood, he shot me and I'm gonna shoot him back. (laughs) And so my gosh. (laughs) Mississippi. This is this is is me at fifteen. So (laughs) my gosh. (laughs) So so I I spit. And it's just, it's nothing but blood. And I'm like, oh, what? No, mm-hmm. wait, he lo- he saw me. I'm like talking myself out of it now. He, he saw me, yeah. he looked directly at me. There's no way that he shot me. And then like, you know, my face starts to, sw- I can feel it swelling more. I can feel like other things in my body that's not quite right. And uh, like, I'm like having a little hard, harder time breathing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm like, I think he shot me. <laughs> and if I spit blood again, that means he shot me and I'm definitely going to shoot him back. And so I spit and it's blood and now I'm just mad and I don't get mad easily. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a pretty even killed kid and I spit and it was just blood. And I was like, you, this is where the swearing comes in <laughs> earmuffs. I'm like, you motherfucker, you fucking shot me. And I tried to shoot him back. Like I was like guns coming up and but my arm, like I took the blast into my left side of my body mm-hmm. and I couldn't quite get the gun up. And now I'm trying to like figure that part out. And then he's smart enough to like, he gets up, he run, he's like, what happened? What are you doing? I'm like, you shot me, you motherfucker. I'm going to fucking kill you. And so I'm sure that put a lot of fear into mm-hmm. him. He ran over. The first thing he did is took the gun out of my hand. Smart. Mm-hmm. He's like, what happened? How did you, I'm like, you shot me. He was like, I, well, I didn't know or something. I don't remember really what happened. Uh-huh. I only remember my side of it. Yeah. And so uh, he took the gun away from me. And so I had to walk out of the woods. He had to go back down into the woods and find his son who was, you know, deep, even further in the woods. And then, um, you know, by the time I almost got back to the car, they caught up to me and they were like, rushed me off to the hospital. And they took me to the hospital where my, where Mama worked uh, for like, I don't know, like 60 plus years. And of course, I'm I'm there laying in the she's in the gonna lit into them harder oh, than you she would was ever like, do. She's like, oh, she's like, oh, do you want me to go shoot Uncle Grover for you? Yes. <laughs> like, 
yeah, she was she was pretty upset. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, so that was my that was uh, my 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 turkey hunting story. So you know, I've been shot before, and so seven combat deployments. I wasn't too worried about being shot again. Anytime we were in, you know, things are happening. I'm like, I'm okay here. I've already been when stuff through that. Blowing up around you, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. But like, we're trading bullets. I've got a better chance of not getting shot a second time, I think. But what you never all know. ended up, like you said, you got hit in the face and the shoulder. Was that, did you have to have surgery? So it was like, so if you look at a, at a chest x-ray and like a yeah. sort of a, from the, from the, from the rib cage up, there's about 30 plus shots. It was number four bird <laughs> shot. And uh, so they're like embedded in my skull. One went through my nose. One, I don't know how it didn't like, completely take out my hearing on my on my left side but there's some there's lead if you like you know feel my skull you can move some lead particles around like little pellets all through my left side and they were actually going to let me go the next day they were like you're probably fine but i was having these kind of uh, stomach cramps and i was like ah my stomach hurts can you guys give me something for pain and they're like we're not prescribed to give you anything you're fine you're probably just in shock and i'm like i'm not in shock I'm angry. I, that was probably I, I'm I'm fine, mm-hmm. but my stomach hurts, and it be hurting. Hurt started hurting more and more, and it turns out that two pellets went through my rib cage, kind of lower rib cage, and into my large intestines, and like uh, caused some pretty significant internal bleeding. So yeah. they were doing like a CAT scan, and they're like lay steel. I'm like, I cannot. It hurts, mm-hmm. um, and I'm being very calm about it. I was less calm then, I think. Yeah, but, I bet. Um, and then and trying not to say bad words, but, uh, yeah. And they were like, Oh, you, we've got a problem here. Yeah. So they pretty much like right into surgery. I woke up with a giant zipper, yeah, like a 12 and a half inch, you know, staple, they stapled me shut. Um, yeah. So they had to do ex- explorative surgery where they took all of my, my Everything insides out. out, Yeah. found where the problem was, fixed it, put everything back in and close you up. I've been on a couple of those surgeries, uh, mainly gunshot victims that things bounce around once they get in there. And so I've been in a couple of surgeries helping out where you just, you have to walk that bowel and find if there's anything (laughs) wrong. It is not an easy surgery. So I'm glad that they found it though, because that can ruin, that can kill you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some pretty gnarly internal bleeding, I guess, but Mm -hmm. I, I actually have a buddy who, and it was interesting that I had this experience. He got shot in the belt buckle and some frag like went up into his like into his guts and then but he was and they had to do the same surgery uh-huh. but his scar is only about mine's like 13 inches it kind of goes from like the bottom of my rib cage around my belly button and like about an inch and a half lower yeah and his was like maybe six inches wide they did it like completely different i was like that's not fair and he was up and like <laughs> you know walking around and all was good um you know and yeah. they did surgery in iraq and they and did like, that. The it was like minimal. They were trying to be as minimal right. as possible there. I get that. Right. And I think they like found it pretty quickly because they knew right where it went in. And mm-hmm. yeah. Man, I, you hear more, I hear more stories about, honestly, about kids and other people getting shot in turkey season than any other season. Right. And I think that that, I mean, we, we could keep talking and keep talking and keep talking and keep talking because of how I feel on the subject of using decoys and things like that when 
I mean, you're a living example of you didn't even have a decoy. You weren't even completely camo and it still happened. And there are all of these rules and laws to keep people safe, you know, make sure you can see the full target of what you are shooting. And, and, you know, after, you know, after that, when I, I guess, turned 18, I had to do hunter's education Mm -hmm. to get my hunting license or whatever. And I was like, and there was a, a similar scenario. And I was like, I was starting to get like a little bit angry watching. I was like, oh, maybe this is what PTSD is. Before there was like such a thing as PTSD. It probably was. You know, we, I talk to my kids all the time. They went through hunter safety two years ago. And it, my son, it was the first year he could take it. And I'm very grateful they, they had asked the question, well, is there a kid's version or do you have to do the same? And you do the same course, the same test, the same shooting, everything for a child as you would for an adult because the information is that important. And if they right. can't handle the class, then they're not ready to be out there, in my opinion. No. So I'm, I'm grateful for it. But yeah, circumstances like that shouldn't happen. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right. I'm glad you're still alive. Uh, so am I, yeah. clearly. <laughs> <laughs> and it probably prepared you, like you said, the fear standard of when you were in the field as a seal probably i mean anytime you're like going out on like an operation like the anticipation of going out is is pretty high at times Mm -hmm. depending on what the intel is and things like that or you're like oh this is a heavily ied area Mm -hmm. let's just not hit anything that would be awesome yeah and uh and but we have we have hit stuff we have had you know command detonated IEDs, you know, barely miss us at times. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, and like I said, when I was, you know, anytime that we're trading lead, there's still a little bit of stress that goes on there. But, you know, I'm like, you guys, I'm good to go. I could probably stand here and not even in cover and I'm probably fine. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm still going to take the proper precautions to (laughs) not, to try and not get shot. But, um, but when things start blowing up, it's a different scenario. I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, I've never been blown up before. So I don't know that I have that kind of in my back pocket as a, as <laughs> insurance. So <laughs> that's the one thing kind of holding you back into hesitation. Right. Uh, not that you can do that uh, when you're in a situation like that, but coming back, uh, even before you were probably out each time you came back, you probably, like you said earlier, were dealing with that transition. You know, I think, yeah, there's definitely some some transition that happens from, you know, being deployed to coming back to, you know, your regular job, mm-hmm. if you will. But, you know, you still have that team, that camaraderie, you still have mission and purpose and things like that. Mm-hmm. For me, the the hardest transition, and I still say it today, is, you know, the hardest military mission I've ever been on was my exit from the military, my transition from military life to civilian life. Like, yeah. I've never... my entire adult life has been in the military. It's all I've ever known. Uh, I had a, a, a badass, you know, mission. I had a badass purpose. I had a badass team. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, you have all of those things together. And when I, you know, the day that I retired air quotes, retired from the military, cause you never, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not really retirement. Correct. You get, they give you a little bit of, uh, you know, some, a little pocket change at the end, but it's not anything that you can live on. But you know, that, that transition from military to civilian life, you know, losing my purpose, losing my mission, losing my team, it was like losing family. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's really the hardest transition I've ever 
hardest mission I've ever been on, like completely unprepared for it. And, you know, that was, uh, you know, some of my baggage for sure is, you know, no purpose, no mission, no team, no, like, what's my reason for, you know, getting up in the morning? What do Mm -hmm. I need to do now? Like, how do I, how do I find that? And and the military doesn't train people how to do that. So I've had to, um, I've had my own journey of figuring out what that is and how to do it. Yeah. And I'm still working on it. I'm still like evolving. And, and, and that's, I think that's the key is to, and I've, and I've talked to some friends that have gotten out and they're like, what is your, like, everyone talks about your why, what is your why? And that, that why is your, your mission, your purpose. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and these friends are making, you know, a bunch of money doing some really cool stuff and, and they don't have their why yet. They're still trying to figure that out. And I was like, well, I had to figure mine out and mine is 22 to zero. 22 to zero was my why. So, um, and, and helping out other people along the way as well. Yeah. And that's, you know, in that evolution of, of struggle that I've gone through from my exit from the military into where I am today is, is how I'm creating that why and, and, and how I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting here in, I live in Hawaii, but I'm sitting here in Denver, Colorado, looking at the mountains. And one of the things that I think about is, you know, in life, life, there's, there are mountains in life and you should love those mountains. You should love the struggle of climbing to those mountains and hitting that peak. But if you, you can never get comfortable at that peak because there's about 10,000 more peaks that you need to hit and it's not going to be an easy process. It's going to be hard and you should embrace that, the, how hard it is to, to get to the top of that peak and the failures that you're going to have along the way, because, you know, that's where, that's where, you become who you are is through those, that's those challenges through those failures. You know, it's when you get to the top of that mountain and you decide that you don't want to go up to another mountain, you actually start falling behind. Like that mountain starts to shrink while others start to grow. So you need to go down the other side of that mountain and start climbing the next peak. And, and so uh, most people for don't think about life that way. They don't think that, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of, wired, hardwired to like, try to find what's easier in life. And, you know, with technology that we have, we, we end up gravitating towards what's easy, what's convenient rather than challenging ourselves and doing hard things. And, you know, it doesn't mean that you need to go run like ultra marathons or anything like that. I'm not doing that, but you certainly need to find challenges in your life so that you can continue to grow. And, you know, one of my, one of my business coaches, cause I have, I have a couple, um, and I am a, a coach as well is, you know, he says you should like never peak. Mm-hmm. And it's like, never like, mm-hmm. like my, you know, my best day of working out should be the day that I die. You know, yeah. it should not never, I should never, uh, rest on like, if I'm thinking about what I did yesterday and like, Oh, remember when that's like the wrong way to think about life. You should think about, I can't wait to get better than I ever have been in the past. I agree. I think you've said a couple of different things that I've had a couple of conversations with with women and men who have exited the military, whether it was the Marines, the Army, whatever it was, and they agree with you wholeheartedly. That transition out was the hardest. And on this podcast, we have been able to talk about how Losing that camaraderie, losing that team that you're so used to, that family that they've become, it, it they have been able to find it in the hunting community and a lot in waterfowl. And because you're working as a team, you're working together, you're 
it just is a different mission. But the more you kept talking about finding that, like, don't peak. I have had, and I'm going to, this is completely off topic of military, but turning 40, I've had a couple of friends who have turned 40 right along the the same time as me. I'm 41 now, but when we were all turning 40, it was, well, I've kind of hit every like everything that I had ahead of me, every goal that I've had, I've hit it. So now what? And it it hurts my soul to hear people say that because I don't know. I've always been working towards something. Like you said, there's always been something that if I'm in that moment, it's not that I'm not living in it or treasuring that moment that I'm in, but I always am working on something else that's to come. And... That's kind of what, I mean, my goal as a parent, like there's always that next stage. I'm still enjoying that stage of my kids, but there's always that next stage that's coming that I've got to prep for because I can't go in unprepared to teenagerhood. Like I just can't. I'm there now. I'm glad that I'm kind of prepared for it. I know that there are going to be things that I can't actually prepare for, but at least my my foundation is solid. And I think that that's like having those peaks ahead of you, having those goals that you have, it doesn't just keep it exciting. It doesn't just keep your mind going. It doesn't just keep you from stepping back into a place of, oh, woe is me, or, or I'm not growing anymore, or I'm taking steps back. It's not just that. It's more of a mental... I don't know. It's just that push. And I love that part of it. I love learning. And I love that the outdoors can do that for me. Um, But each person, like you said, has to find their passion. You have to find your why, whether it's in the outdoors, whether it's in CBD, whether it's in um, saving people. And that is, I think when you come down to it, that should be everybody's goal. It should be lifting each other up. It should be reaching out to people or having the capability to reach out yourself. And sometimes we can't do that. Sometimes we need people to reach out to us when we're in a place that we can't move past it. And that's why you build a tribe around yourself that you trust and that they know when you are backsliding and they can say, hey, what's up? You're not, you're not the person that you normally are. You are, um, I'm seeing some habits come out that, that you've had in the past, or if you can just be honest with somebody and say, Hey, if I get quiet, it's because I'm not in a good place. Can you, can you please reach out to me if I've, I've gone quiet. And so you don't have to be detail in those kind of, Hey, I'm, falling apart, please help me out. But you can say, hey, here are some things that we're close enough. If you see this, can you reach out to me? And if I see this, I'll reach out to you. And that's just, that's what we need in life is that tribe around us. So I kind of want to hear how you've been writing notes. Do you have anything to say to me about <laughs> what I've just said? Or Because I'm going to jump into CBD now. So uh, you just said it's like some really important things. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things you said is keep it exciting. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. I would say keep it exciting in 
you know, whatever, whatever job you're doing, if you're not having fun and you're not, you don't enjoy going to work, you should find another job. Yeah. Uh, if you're in a relationship and you're not excited about being in that relationship, you know, you should, I mean, I think that's about keeping it fresh, keeping it exciting. You should like, that's, I think that's key to pretty much everything that you're doing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be hard. Right. It means, and I'm just, I'm just going back to kind of the, the get naked mindset and, and, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to add some of these things into some of the things that I'm that I, that I talk about later. Well, go ahead and tell but, us about this get naked mindset. I think it's a perfect time to talk about it. So get naked is so getting naked. Like I said earlier, some of it is about, you know, mental health, but it's also about taking your ego off and taking that baggage off that other people put on you and to mm-hmm. set that in the corner. Like you don't need that. It's about becoming a little bit vulnerable so you can find the healing that you need. You yeah. know, that's, you know, uh, you should get naked in everything that you do. Just be a little bit vulnerable, be, have fun, you know, keep it exciting. Uh, because most people, me very much. So I don't like to show weakness. I don't ever mm-hmm. want to be, I don't want to feel like, um, someone is, uh, I'm less than what other people may think of me. And I put that pressure on myself Yeah. and it started from, from a childhood. I don't know where in my childhood, it just, just is it's just how i'm wired and so i have to like battle that that battle every single day um and so as i've kind of developed this get naked mindset it, i i created an acronym and and the acronym for naked is for it stands for never quit the n is for never quit and i don't mean never quit you know smoking or drinking or bad habits i mean never quit trying to improve yourself right. i mean if you started a project there's a reason or a or a plan or you know, whatever it is, yeah. there's a reason you started it. So why don't you keep pushing and, and take that all the way to the end? It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to be a straight line. There's going to be bumps in the road. It's going to be twists and turns. There's going to be mountains that you're going to have to climb that you didn't foresee, mm-hmm. but you got, you need to do it anyway. And, you know, one of the tricks that we, uh, in, in seal training, you know, in, I'll just use hell week for an example, actually, I'll, I'll use hell week and I'll use a, you know, prisoner of war training since <laughs> yeah. you're, since you said your uncle was a, a POW in, in world war two. So yeah. when I went through, uh, you know, prisoner of war training, they told us to create small victories. So basically if, you know, the, like in your, like you, you haven't eaten for a week, you've been running around in the woods and now you're forced into, into being a POW and you're in a little, a plywood cell, mm-hmm. uh, that's about, you know, it's as wide as your elbows. Yeah. And there's not enough room to lay down and they have a, like a, a two by 12 in there for you to sit on and you have to sit in a certain position and you can't talk. And then you, you know, um, you have to use the bathroom in a little bucket, like a coffee can in the corner. And, uh, and, and so what they said is they, it, you don't communicate with anyone. They play this weird psychedelic music and then they interrogate you. And what they tell you to do is they tell you to create small victories. And these small victories are, things that are going to help you like keep your sanity while you're, while you're going through this process. Cause you don't ever know when it's going to end. Right. So if the, if the, um, if the guards tell you don't look to the left, every opportunity you get, you should be looking to the left. They say, don't, you know, don't communicate with, you know, any of the other people that you're around, you should like, when they're not looking, you should like reach over and grab someone and like squeeze their hand or, you know, make a little sound or, you know, start trying to communicate through the cell walls. Maybe there's someone on either side of you. And so mm-hmm. just create these small victories. If they tell you not to do something, you do it anyway. Um, so that's kind of one of the lessons that I learned in, 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 
prisoner of war school, but also, you know, that applies to everything that we do in life. And in, in SEAL training, we have what's really the most uh, famous week of military training in the world. I've gone all over the world and everyone knows what hell week is. Hell mm-hmm. week is five and a half days of you don't sleep. Uh, you're cold and you're wet and you're miserable and you work as a team, a seven man boat crew team, and you're doing races and it's nonstop action and misery. But there's one thing that is constant, no matter what during seal training. And that's, they're going to during hell week is they're going to feed you four times a day. So it doesn't matter how miserable you are, how much, your body is just jackhammering while you're laying there, locked arms in the frigid Pacific Ocean. All you have to do is make it to your next meal. And once you make it to the next, next, next meal, that's a small victory. Yeah. They can't take that away from you. So once you make it to that, 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 you know, and so when you're, when you're doing things in life, you have to like break things up into bite-sized pieces, pieces right. that you know that you can accomplish, like chop that thing up as small as you need to, and then focus on that one thing during that day. And that's really what never quit. And you just do that every day. You don't take a day off. You make that a Mm non-negotiable, you know, maybe it's your, you know, maybe it's like make a phone call. Maybe it's write an email. Maybe it's whatever. It doesn't matter what it is, what the project is, what the program is. Maybe you want to run an ultra marathon, run those miles that you need to do and make that your non-negotiable for the day. So that's really what never quit is about a is accept failure because failure is where I've learned more lessons in my life than anything else. Yep. You couldn't, you couldn't pay me millions of dollars to have the experiences that I have you know, received through, through failure. So most people don't want to fail because it makes you look weak or, you know, admit that you failed. But, you know, if you look at the greatest, you know, successes in the world, you look at Michael Jordan, arguably the best basketball player of all time. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's missed more than 9,000 shots throughout his basketball career. He's lost more than 300 games. He's missed more than 30 game winning shots. And you know what he did after every game win or lose uh, is, he didn't go and celebrate the wins. What he did is he went back to the gym that night and he practiced those shots that he missed. He practiced them until he got them right. Because through that failure, he became a better basketball player. And then when he transitioned over to baseball, it was the same thing. He wasn't Mm -hmm. a great baseball player, but he wanted to do that. And so he showed up before everyone else and he left before everyone else just so that he could get better at, at playing baseball. Um, If you look at, you know, Elon Musk and Steve Jobs, both icons creating massive companies, both Elon Musk and Steve Jobs were fired as CEOs of companies that they started. They were fired. They went, they, they learned from the lesson, their lessons through failure. Mm -hmm. They came back and created even bigger and better companies. Um, Thomas Edison, he created the incandescent (laughs) light bulb. He actually learned 10,000 ways to not create the incandescent light bulb. Yeah. So, so the way you, you should accept failure, failure is, a lesson learned. Use that mm-hmm. lesson learned. I look at failure as, you know, a foundation. You know, you have this wall of this challenge in front of you and you continue to fail and you fail and you're you're building these rungs of the ladder. You're building these stairs. And as you climb up the the up the, the ladder or up the stairs, you know, you have so many failures, you eventually will get it right. right. And so just never quit and accept failure and you're going to be successful. The chaos kill mediocrity. Mm-hmm. We're surrounded by mediocrity every day. You know, we have this world of instant gratification of like, you know, I can hit a phone, a button on my phone and have a, you know, a, a car out front in, you know, five minutes to and carry me wherever I need soul. to go. Mm-hmm. 
right? You, yeah. you know, I can have ice cream delivered. I can't in Hawaii, but most people, <laughs> in, you know, yeah. um, you can, you can have ice cream delivered to your house in 30 minutes. You never have to get off the couch. You can have, you know, Uber eats or whatever. We've got this, we've gotten so used to instant gratification. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. actually made us, you know, less good at what we can actually yeah. do. It's made us mediocre. And so one of the things that we, we battle with every day, and we've kind of talked about it a little bit here is, is ego and your ego knows all of your strengths. It knows all of your weaknesses and it knows just what to say to make you mediocre. So really in order to be, to kill mediocrity, you need to compete, compete in kindness, compete in giving, compete in generosity and compete against your ego. Because once you can win, that battle, that mm -hmm. war that you wage every day against your ego, you'll kill mediocrity, you'll improve your life, and you'll improve the life of people around you. The E is expose your fears. And, and I don't mean like lions and tigers and bears, oh my, or spiders or whatever. I mean, like those fears that live deep dark in the in the back of your brain, those fears that you don't want to share with anyone, right. you don't trust anyone to to really talk about, talk to about those fears that when you're alone in your car, they creep out and they just start swirling around in your mind. Or if you're like alone at night, you know, kind of trying to get ready for bed, they're like swirl around. And these are the things, these are, you know, really some of many of my battles of, you know, I would use alcohol and pretty much drink myself to sleep at night, which is kind of where CBD came in to like help calm those quiet those noises down. But mm -hmm. what I've learned is if you expose those fears, so fear, I look at fear as like a vampire vampires they suck the life out of you those fears suck yep. the life out of you yeah. they both live in the darkness they suck the life out of you how do you kill a vampire you expose it to sunlight how do you expose how do you kill your fears you expose your fears so there's a lot of different ways to do this and one of my friends and business coaches actually i like what he says so i'll share that one here with you he says he'll be driving along and he's a billionaire, by the way. He's like, you should you wouldn't think that money would he would have that many stresses or anxieties. He's got he's got a lot. Yeah. Um, and what he what works really well for him is he'll be driving along and like those fears will start swirling around in his head. He'll pull over, he'll stop at a Starbucks, he'll order a coffee, he'll sit down with a, a, a pen and a piece of paper, not on his phone, because there's something that happens with this transfer of of yes. energy through your hand and onto a piece of paper where he'll write down everything that's bothering him. It doesn't matter how big or little, every single thing. And then he'll read it. He might even read it out loud or he might share it with someone. And once he's exposed that fear to like light, to like onto a piece of paper, he's like, that's really what was bothering me. That's really the thing that mm -hmm. was holding me back. And it doesn't like, depending on how deep the fear is or how, how terrible, like how deep rooted it is, it will take many times of doing that. I mean, that's why people go to, you know, therapists to like yeah. talk through their issues. That's exposing their fears. And I'm not saying that's right for everyone, but it, it's right for a lot of people. But this is like a trick that you can use, you know, on your own, in your private, you, you know, the privacy of your own down. life. If you're mm -hmm. not ready to share that stuff with anyone, you know, just share it with yourself, be brave enough to, and that was my, you know, uh, a problem of mine in the past is I wasn't brave enough to share or to, to be vulnerable. And people are like, you're not afraid of anything. You're a Navy SEAL. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, you say so. I'm afraid yeah. of looking weak. I'm, a, I'm afraid of being vulnerable. And so, you know, when I learned to really kind of expose those fears and, and find those vulnerabilities and expose them to the world, I was able to control those fears and those fears were no longer able to control me. 
courage is not the absence of fear. It's the mastery of fear. Mm. That was Mark Twain said that. And so, you know, again, once you're able to master your fear, you control the fear. The fear no longer controls you. So you're not going to have that, those weird conversations in your head while you're alone at night or while you're driving, you know, alone in your car. And, you know, you get all excited about whatever that, that thing is that's that's bothering you. And the, the D is to do the work because, you know, again, we're, we're, we've got, you know, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and we're scrolling is such a great thing. And it is for sharing information, maybe sharing, you know, parts of our lives that we want to share with other people, but we end up getting sucked into these devices and we end up finding excuses to not do the work. If something is worthwhile, it's worth doing the work. And so, so really to kind of wrap it all up, the get naked mindset is really about, it's about never quit. It's about accept failure. It's killing your mediocrity, exposing your fears. And it's about doing your work. Yeah. I like all of that. Like every little bit of it, if whether you've been in counseling or not, I think that, I think these things come up. I mean, I've been in counseling in my life over time and these things have come up. I wake up in the middle of the night sometimes because my head is so full of the things that, whether it's anxiousness about what needs to happen or anxiousness about what has happened, but I do, I keep a journal right beside my bed and it's got, I can just write it down and usually I can get back to sleep. And it is that exposure. Do I share that with people? Yeah, sometimes I do. Do I not share it with people? Yep, sometimes I don't. And But it's my way of I'm not going to be circling the wagon over and over in my head. I'm going to be putting it down. And then I can look at it the next morning or the next day and say, is it valid? Like, was that a valid thought? Or is it something that my subconscious keeps bringing forward to make me feel bad or to make me into a position where I close down or I I shut off other people because I think that that is, whether you are a person of faith or you aren't, that voice inside of your heads, it speaks untruths sometimes. And putting that on paper and looking at it, like you said, in the day with light you can kind of read through it and go, well, that's not valid and mark it off. Like say, no, right. that's not true. Yes. And you may this- have to come back to that again and again. Over it, and it's over. Not, it's not like a one, you know, it's, no. it's not, you know, one, once and done. It's, yeah. it's work. It's over like, and over. those are, you know, those are those peaks that you have to climb sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're mental peaks. Sometimes they're physical peaks. Sometimes they're emotional peaks. So and sometimes you have it can to be climb ex- those peaks. Yeah. Sometimes it can be exciting. Like sometimes it right. can be good things, but you still need to write it down. Sometimes I, I mean, take it down to something simple. Sometimes I'm thinking about a recipe that I want to cook with the game that I have shot and brought home. And it's in my head and I keep thinking about it. I keep thinking about the science behind it and the chemistry behind it. Would this work? Would this work? Would this work? And my mind won't shut off. And so if I just write it down, I mean, these are things we could go deep into it or you can be very surface with it. And just our brains sometimes just don't shut off. They right. just don't. And so sometimes getting that, I don't know. I think you can you can apply every single one of these things to each moment in your life and it will create a better person. And it's the person that you right. want to be. 
not the person you don't want to be. So these are excellent, excellent and, ways. You know, kind of go ahead. Go, going back, you know, kind of going back to fear is what it, you know. Let's just define fear. Fear is the anticipation of something that may or may not happen. It's a thief, right? And so why are and we spend so much energy and effort mm-hmm. focusing on these fears that we have. It's just anticipation of something that probably won't happen. Yeah. So we need to, like, if you can learn how to master those fears, again, you will control it. It will no longer control you. Yeah. We've, uh, I've, we've talked, you and I have talked about my personal journey with my family and CBD and how that has been effective over the past, oh, six years. CBD has been a part of our family and we have continually said and reminded each other over and over your fear fears thieve you of joy they steal your joy but at the same time there is a difference between anxiousness that is good and anxiousness that is bad and so you kind of have to sit in the moment of that anxiousness and that fear and decide, okay, am I scared about something? Am I fearful? Or am I excited about something? Because sometimes those feelings are the same. And I have to do that. I have to stand back and go, okay, am I anxious about this because I'm excited about it? Or am I anxious about it because I'm I'm truthfully fearful about it? And I would say 75% of the time, I'm anxious because I'm excited. And, and that's where I kind of have to take a step back and go, okay, these feelings are real, but I need to place them in, in a place where I am going to be fruitful in it. I'm going to be productive. I'm going to enjoy this moment versus hesitate and, and sit back and not enjoy everything that it could possibly be. Agreed. Yeah. It's a pretty much, you pretty much nailed it. (laughs) But, but CBD has been a big part of that because anxiousness does run in our family. It, I think that everybody kind of has to wade through those feelings, especially when you're growing up. How do I feel about that? How do I react to that? But sometimes they can be overwhelming before you have the tools to utilize that in the right way. And CBD has been a huge help in our family with that. It's been a huge help in recovery physically. It's been, it has been something that I haven't really spoken about much on here or, or in public, but it has been a huge part of our lives. And so getting to know you and hearing your story and how you've started this company, I, and I've told you this over and over, it, I, I can't speak any higher about CBD, but your company does it in a great way. And so give us just, tell me how Naked Warrior Recovery started. So that's a great question. Um, <laughs> so for me, for me, CBD has been the modality to help kind of turn down the noise in my head so that I could work on that positive self-talk to Mm -hmm. really to come up with this get naked mindset. And, you know, it's not a CBD is not a magic pill. It's not a, you know, a Mm cure-all, although some companies, some people will say that uh, CBD doesn't work in that, in that fashion. What CBD, I'm going to do a little bit of bro science here. Yes. Um, What CBD is, is a, it's a molecule in the hemp plant. And what it does is it, it is a, I like to call it a 
like a super multivitamin for this system that's in your body. It's called the endocannabinoid system. And this is really kind of new science. The endocannabinoid system was discovered in the early nineties mm-hmm. when, um, when some scientists were trying to figure out like, how is this like medical marijuana? How is it like helping people out? So they took a, a radioactive isotope, whatever that is, and put it on a THC molecule and gave it to a person. And they followed that, that isotope throughout the, the human body. And they, that's how they discovered this whole new system. And so the endocannabinoid system is, it's a giant neuroreceptor system and it's connected to every system in your body. Think you're, respiratory system, your central nervous system, Mm -hmm. your digestive system, your immune system is connected to everything and why it seems to be this panacea that cures everything. It doesn't actually cure anything. It does reduce chronic inflammation. It helps reduce stress and anxiety. It does help reduce pain. Um, but it's not curing cancer. It's not doing anything like that. Although there are some, some research going on about some things like that. Um, what it does is it actually helps bring the body back into homeostasis. So if you have one, you know, it's connected to all these systems. Mm -hmm. And if one system is kind of out of whack, it doesn't, it can pull all the other systems out of whack. And that's how you end up with chronic disease and, and, you know, things like cancer or, or tumors or, or whatever through these, you know, um, these, these chronic diseases. Um, and what they found is CBD, the molecule CBD is it's shaped exactly like these other two endogenous cannabinoids that you create naturally. You create two natural endogenous cannabinoids. Cannabinoids. One is called anandamide and one is called 2-AG. Uh, anandamide is also known as the bliss molecule. It's associated with the runner's high. So you work out, you feel really good. Well, that's your body has created a bunch of anandamide mm-hmm. and it's helped with the upregulation of serotonin and you feel really good after you work out. See, some of us have never experienced the runner's high, so I'm really okay with experiencing it some <laughs> somehow else like whatever you like even through like accomplishment of a goal you Mm -hmm. you you create you know anandamide and and serotonin and things like that right so anandamide helps with the upregulation of serotonin and which makes you feel really good um that's feeding your endocannabinoid system well sometimes your body doesn't make enough uh endogenous cannabinoids or you you know you just have so much chronic dysfunction going on, you need a little more action to help you out there. And so for me, CBD was that one of those modalities that helped bring, you know, it helped bring my system back Mm -hmm. into homeostasis, helped turn off the noise in my head. And it was such a profound, you know, a life-changing modality for me. That's why I started Naked Warrior Recovery. And, you know, we've got, you know, lots of different products between like the tinctures that you put under your tongue. We've got some bath bombs that I've gotten some really great feedback on. Yes. Uh, I've got topical products and, you know, some sleep products as well. Because sleep is really the bane of my existence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're at your salve stick right, right. here. Uh, I actually don't go anywhere without it. <laughs> it that's has... awesome. And that that's the point. It's like yeah. small and compact. And yeah. Yeah. It, um... CBD does so much for so many different people. And I think that everyone is different. Everyone has a different, you know, experience with it. So, and it's not like, it's not like when you take it, you, you, you get high or anything like that. When I, like when I took it, so my kind of CBD story is I had heard about it, but I was in the military. It actually wasn't legal federally yet. 
Um, but I heard about it on a podcast and the guy was talking about, you know, everyone knows about medical marijuana, but this other molecule in the hemp plant called CBD and it, you know, helps with all these other medicinal benefits. You know, it's really like life changing for like certain kinds of childhood epilepsy. Mm -hmm. And there is actually one pharmaceutical out there, uh, created it's called Epidialect and it is specific that has been approved by the FDA and it is, uh, to treat a very specific kind of childhood, uh, epilepsy. And so, but you know, it, you know, 2018, the farm bill was passed December of 20, 2018, which made CBD hemp legal and then mm -hmm. therefore CBD legal. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I was having lunch with a friend of mine, you know, going through some stuff. And I said, I think I want to try CBD. I'm going to go look for a, you know, a CBD store here in Virginia. Maybe what you have is better than what we have in Hawaii. I hadn't really done any real research. And he's like, <laughs> you want CBD? I've got some back home. And so we went back to his house. I, uh, he gave me a bottle. I tried it that night. Maybe I was, maybe it worked. Maybe I felt a little better in the morning, but what I noticed over time is that, you know, I like to say water boils at 212 degrees. I was probably living at like 210 degrees. Mm -hmm. My fuse was very short. That thing that would like make the fear, make the sound, make the, you know, all consuming negative self talk yeah. come out. Um, you know, my fuse was very short for that to happen. But over time, I didn't notice it, you know, really right away, but I noticed that like, I went from like 210 to 205 to 200 mm -hmm. to 195 to 190. So my fuse just got longer. And this other chronic pain that I have was less bad. It was just more dull than like less sharp. Right. And so I ran out. I, and then I noticed I started getting closer to that boiling point again. And I was yeah. like, well, maybe there was something to that. So I, I tried another brand and I had similar results. Then I was at a business conference and, uh, I met someone in the CBD industry and I'm, I'm very interested at this point. And she was putting uh, CBD into like kinesiology tape. And I, I tracked her down after the event because she was like, she was like, how do I market this? Because I can't market CBD on Instagram or Facebook. Cause it's an illicit air quotes, oh illicit gosh. product. Right. So I have to be a more, um, and she was experiencing the same thing. She's been in the industry much longer than I have. Uh, but you know, she was asking like, how do you, how do I market it? How do I get it, you know, in front of more people with a very small budget? And so I, I tracked her down after the, you know, the sort of Q and a thing that, that she was at, that we were at. And I'm like, Hey, you're the CBD girl. Right. And she was like, yeah. And I said, really, I wanted her to hire me. And so I could learn more about it and then like help grow her company, but she wasn't ready to hire anyone. She was like, well, why don't you just, she, first off, she was like, do you want to do A to B, B to B or B to C? I'm like, I want to do CBD. I don't know what you're saying right now. <laughs> and, uh, I, I understand now, but, yeah. um, but she was like, well, why don't you just start your, your own CBD company? And I was like, I don't know how to do that. She's like, you're a Navy SEAL. Go figure it out. I was like, Oh man, may I please have my man card back? Um, <laughs> I mean, you can hang on to it for a little while. You've earned it, but, uh, you know, uh, so I, I started digging into the industry and, and that's really kind of how I, how I got started. And I don't even know why I was telling you that story. Oh, I think it was just like kind of how it worked how for me is I didn't notice anything you. right yeah. away. Like you don't get high or you don't like really feel anything. You know, if you're very sensitive to it, maybe you start getting a little tired, which I think is a good thing, especially mm -hmm. if you're, you have a hard time sleeping. But like, then you can you take like it at night. Like there, there are all different it. ways that you can take it, whether you take it in a gummy form, whether you take it the oil, whether you take, however you take it, 
you just learn how it works for you, whether you take it at night before you go to bed or you take it during the day, like whatever works for you, whatever amount, start small and then start gradually working toward it. Honestly, I wouldn't notice that it's not working until I don't take it. Yep. It, it is more along the lines of while you're using it, you just function better or you just right. everything isn't as like you said, on that fuse level of way up here. And it's when you stop taking it that you go, oh, I don't like how this is working. And right. and I think that that. I like that because I don't like feeling, I don't like how caffeine could make me feel, or I don't like being out of control or feeling out of sorts. And so if that was how it would make me feel, I wouldn't take it. It's just this gradual building of, like you said, balancing out and creating that homeostasis of, okay, this is how your body's supposed to be working. This is how... You're supposed to be reacting. This is just, um, and yours is THC free, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, legal in every state. Um, in Canada? I don't ship to Canada because the tariffs to get it there. Yep. And the shipping is, yeah. uh, it, you would be paying more than double yeah. of no, I get the that. Yeah. yeah, I've shipped some things overseas and shipped to can it's not the easiest thing in the world, but um but if you're in the states, definitely reach out because I do I mean, you have things for dogs, you have there are so many things that you have to offer that if one thing didn't work, you could try something else. And I'm talking about not just not working in in a sequence of it's not going to help your body, but just the way that it is given in the different products. You might not like it that way, but you might like it another way. And so, right. um, so yeah, you've got a lot of things for people to look at and check out. We didn't even get to the five seal secrets. They're going to have to look that up. That might have worked in your favor. <laughs> They're going to have to go uh, and, and well, there's so much more to that, to that document. Yeah. So if you go to, uh, five, the number five mm-hmm. seal S E A L secrets.com five seal secrets.com. Mm-hmm. You can really down, you just put your name and email in there and I'll email you uh, this document that I've created. And it really covers what, what get naked is all about. You yeah. know, I, I just got an email back from a guy today, you know, because I have follow-up emails. Just, I just want to make sure people got it. And he was like, yeah, I got it. I printed it out. I'm incorporating this into my life. Awesome. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's awesome. fantastic. Now it's very cool that I got that email this morning. Yeah. I love it. I think that sometimes you don't realize or you feel like, is this working? Is is my passion really working? Am I really helping anyone? Yes. And I I hope that I am. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you are. I think that you've got a couple things going on right now that I don't, you see that passion of 22 to zero in everything that you're doing. And so I think when you look over somebody's life and you say, okay, well, they're involved in this, 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 and this, but all of them have that foundation underneath, then that truly is their why, like we were talking about earlier. So well done. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Okay. Tell people how they can follow you quickly. Okay. Uh, let's see if you are interested in CBD, mm-hmm. you go to www. Someone told me I'm old. If I say www, <laughs> www.nw for naked warrior 
dash recovery.com mm-hmm. or you can type in naked warrior recovery all one word.com i had that originally but then i was like maybe people don't want to write naked in their website i don't you know their search <laughs> engine so so nw dash recovery either one will get you there okay. uh if you want to follow me on instagram it's naked warrior recovery if you want the five seal secrets uh which is really what get naked is all about it's five the number five seal s-e-a-l secrets.com and I think that's everything. I have some Facebook and LinkedIn and some other stuff, but I don't like if I, I put everything on Instagram first and then I put it across everywhere else. Yep. I, I, I even have a TikTok channel. Heck yeah. I found I found that. <laughs> I've been following that um, since I joined TikTok. Um, but no, guys, look up look up naked warrior recovery, look up five seal secrets, get naked support this man and what he is doing because of his passion behind it. And, and y'all have a great day. Thank you so much, William. Amy, thanks for having me on here. Of course.